0: Welcome to the Sardis Fellowship Discipleship Podcast, where we record conversations about Christian discipleship issues meant to inspire your own faith conversation and help you journey towards Jesus with us. My name is Rob Schaff, and I'm the pastor of Discipling at Sardis Fellowship Baptist Church in Chilliwack, BC, Canada. Today I'm talking with John Weber, and we are continuing our conversation about the importance of small group Bible study uh, from the last time that John was on the podcast. And you can find that podcast, as well as more information about our church, at sardisfellowship.com. Thank you for listening. John Weber, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to be back. The last time I guess we were talking about Bible studies and the reason why uh, being involved in a group Bible study is important and essential. And then we mentioned in that podcast that we were going to talk a little bit about some of the reasons why people uh, find it difficult to be a part of a group Bible study.
1: Yes. And uh, just as a bit of a review, we should keep in mind that uh, our first the first podcast on this last time was... Uh, There were some very valid reasons why we all should be desiring to be in a small Bible study group. And it's a part of discipling. It's part of hearing God's word. God speaks through other people. uh, And life group, support groups, whatever you call them, all uh, help us uh, disciple ourselves and others. So we're in it together. And if we aren't doing that,
0: then uh, we're not growing in Christ. Right, And so even in spite of that um, sort of high calling, that that reason why group Bible studies are amazing, like what they do in our lives, even in spite of that, sometimes people shy away from it. And so we should talk about some of those common reasons why people shy away from it and what we can do uh, about it or what we should do about it anyway. Well, Rob, uh,
1: we did a little review before we started and uh, came up with seven reasons why people shy away or uh, avoid going to a Bible study. And I have to be honest with you, at the moment I'm in one study with one other gentleman. So we meet uh, regularly and study the Bible and pray, so it can be done with even two. But I've been in lots of groups over the years of various sizes, of various makeups, and they've all, every one of them, has contributed to my Christian life. So I'm looking forward to joining another one soon. But the seven reasons that that we've put up here that we're going to talk about, uh, they impact me. Totally, Uh, me too. Very much. I I struggle with going to Bible study for the seven reasons we're going to talk about completely shouldn't be a problem, but I'm human, and I'm sure everybody listening can share
0: some of these these fears. Totally. And I share the sentiment. I think that even as a pastor... Uh, It is not like pastors magically just want to do everything that's good for them all the time, you know what I mean? And so I, also looking at this list, which we will share momentarily, uh, I, yes, struggle with these as well. So, all right, what's
1: first? Well, I should say, thankfully, uh, I sent out a little survey to some of my closest mentors. And so some of these ideas came from them. I want to say thank you to them. These aren't all my my list. Uh, The first one. And the first one we're going to start with, I think, is we're going to end with it too, right. because I think everything falls into this, and that's the word commitment. Sure. Are we prepared to commit to learning more about God's Word and pray for others in a small group setting? Totally. Uh, we hear excuses all the time. We hear, I'm too tired, um, I'm too busy. Uh, I need more time with my family. And the last one I got down here is I just don't feel like it. Yeah, uh, Where's the desire and motivation?
0: And I struggle with this. Totally. And it comes down to maybe a cliche, but uh, the cliche, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Right. And sometimes like we don't feel like we have the energy or the motivation to do that venture. But then, you know, the flip side of that, of course, is you don't get anything if you don't try and give anything in that regard. So, Yeah,
1: you have to step up to the plate. And it's like anything else. You may be disappointed at one stage. And not all the studies or groups that I've been in have been the best. I could probably rate the ones that I enjoyed the most and the ones the least. But they were all Beneficial. Because I went looking for something to be beneficial. Totally. Um, and, you know, getting back to Scripture, because everything we live our Christian life in has to go back to truth. First Peter uh, chapter 2, in the, right at the beginning, it says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow in your salvation. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be craving this. So getting that desire and motivation as a human, it's almost a supernatural uh, ability that we need
0: Christ in our life to almost encourage us. Totally. And like for me too, the what makes this a struggle for me personally is one part laziness, but also one part confirmation bias, by which I mean... Um, my laziness isn't helped when I've had an experience that wasn't enjoyable. Do you know what I mean? So if I go to a Bible study and it doesn't really click for me, that's just giving my own lazy desires an excuse to not want to try it out again. Right. But like you're saying, we're supposed to crave it. And, and sometimes, um, sometimes we stifle that craving by being like, eh, I tried it once and it wasn't great. And it's like, well, if you really are putting in, like, if you really crave it, you're going to try something more than once. You're going to try to find, you know, a good fit. You're going to try to find a good group. You're going to try to find, you know, and like you said too, even even a group that wasn't maybe, maybe it wasn't a, a home run, you know, even those can and do form us. They build character and they help us to know how to, look for the right stuff and contribute in the right way and stuff like that. And I think that's pretty cool.
1: And I, you, you used the word contribute. And we've kind of started off with what do I get? What do I crave? What should I get out of it? But God speaks through us also to others. And oftentimes we will say things that may impact somebody that we don't even realize. So there's a, it's a two-way street. This is a relationship issue. We can't go in just looking to what can I get out of this, but
0: you have to assume that God's using you to, to speak to others too, right? Which um, is kind of a scary thought. This is kind of out of this is kind of out of order, but okay. So God speaking through us can be a really scary thought for some people, and actually, there's a lot of Bible studies that people are actually afraid of. And so some people might be afraid of what they might say in that context. Uh, you know, like it's it's a scary thought, speaking God's truth into another person's life. But another aspect of that fear that kind of keeps people from Bible study is being afraid of what they might uh, hear when they're at a Bible study, when it comes to their own life and being held accountable. John, lay it on me. What you got? Well, kind of, It's a this is an overlap of almost two of the
1: points we have out there. We may be afraid of what we hear because we may be held accountable to something. I was in a Bible study recently and and going through it with some people. And one of the questions at the end of each Bible study was, what did you learn today and what are you going to put into effect over the next period of time before we meet together in learning from what we had studied the next one you could expect right at the beginning of the session is, how did you implement what you said you were going to do? Yeah. So that's a Bible study that there is just a planned accountability process. Now, some of them aren't like that, but every Bible study, we should be leaving with something that we're learning and implementing it and Sometimes people are afraid because, to be quite frank, let's face it, as Christians, we're living in sin in some aspects of our life that we're not very proud of. And if we go to Bible study, God's going to point it out through somebody, (laughs) through His Word. And we may be accountable to change something we don't want to change. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't. That's just our pride and selfishness. So this... Getting back to the first one, when we make a commitment, we're making a commitment that, hey, Christ is important enough in my life that I desire change, even in the areas where it's not comfortable.
0: Right. Yeah, it's interesting because I've heard a lot of the times that people don't like the accountability aspects of Bible studies where they're like, if I if I walk away from this being expected to change something and I don't change it, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. And it's just like, okay, but on one respect, nobody likes feeling like they have like, you know, not done what they said they were going to do. And that's understandable. But like you said, that's a pride issue. Um, and isn't after all the point of us getting to know God better to allow God to form us into who he's making us to be. And I think for some people it's like, well, if you just expect that God is not going to leave you where he found you, um, you should actually want that level of accountability to try to help you move in that direction. And the question when people need, the question people need to ask themselves if they find themselves resisting that is why am I resisting this? Like, is there a legitimate reason or is it just because I'm proud and I don't want to change and I want to keep doing the things. And And sometimes there are legitimate reasons. Sometimes it's like, well, I don't trust the people that I'm in a group with to not go and blabber my problems all across the city. Okay, fine. That's a legitimate concern. Do you know what I mean? But that shouldn't undermine the entire enterprise of studying the Bible with people. It just might mean uh, you might need to find people that you can actually trust to study the Bible with, right? And so, There's two aspects to this uh,
1: fear of accountability. One is a positive thing. We should be seeking to be Christ-like. If we're seeking to be Christ-like, there should be no problem hearing where we need to change. The negative aspect, and I don't mean negative, that we shouldn't change, but it's more from the standpoint of judgment. We know in the final days there's going to be a judgment. And we all know about the one where some are going to be thrown to hell and some are going to stay with Jesus for eternity. But there's another judgment for those that are call themselves Jesus followers, that are going into eternity with Jesus. And he's going to sit there and he's going to look at the deeds and the way we acted and everything else. And it talks in the Bible about that which is real is like gold and silver and that which is meaningless or fraudulent because we acted, we pretended or things like that. It's going to be like wheat and chaff which will burn in the fire whereas the good stuff will stay. Well, to me, that means when I stand before God, I'm going to be said, look, at, you know, I told you to change in this area, and you didn't. Yeah. Now, we still maintain eternal life, but I, I, that moment, I want to think that maybe I can please God by at least of reacting the best I can. So accountability, we should be seeking to be like Christ, but we should also be looking forward to a
0: glorious time before God. I love that. And I also love that that transitions nicely into another reason why I think people find being a part of a Bible study uh, difficult. And that is because it isn't actually a cultural value that our culture has to Study the Bible for one thing, but also to put yourself under the authority of anyone but yourself, right? There are so many different levels at which um, being a Christian and engaging in Bible study with a group of other believers is against kind of cultural norms, uh, especially on the accountability thing. Like it is is very countercultural to say, I'm actually not the highest source of authority in my life. Um, In Western society, we love to build our own morals and our own things. And what we're saying is, no, 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 we want the truth of the Bible to inform how we live our lives. And that's very foreign to our world that we live in. In Canada, U.S., Western
1: cultures, the way we are trained and educated is not all bad because we have to earn a living. So we have to be educated. We have to understand things. But it also has driven this point is you've got to be better than other people. It's almost a competition for wealth. You've got to have what the neighbor has. You gotta, it's all about me and my rights. In the last couple of decades, we've seen the, the very definition of tolerance change. Uh, and not for the best in terms of living a Christian life. Uh, pride and selfishness uh, abounds um, we don't even know our neighbors. I mean, we don't know their names, but we do not know them. We don't know how to pray for them. We don't deal with that. Now, if we go back and we look at um, traditional societies in uh, Africa, and I, like you've got a tribal or a collective type of environment where everybody has to help everybody else. When when the, when the when the group goes out to, to plant a field. They're not planting it for my household. I'm planting it for the whole community. And if we're not successful or famine comes, we all suffer. And if it, the, the harvest is great, it's wonderful for us all. So everybody knows everybody. We're shoulder to shoulder and this type of thing. That's what it was like in the early church. Um, in Acts 4, it talks about the early church. All the believers were one in heart and mind. They even shared all their possessions. Today, we've so far from that, and yet that's what a small group is. It's a collective. Uh, I, and I don't use tribal in a negative way. I hope people don't take it that way, but it's this idea that we are a, a small tribe in our church, and we share and we, we learn to
0: live and get along with each other. Totally. Yeah, that's, it's, it's not an option. Or an optional. It's actually the key to the whole point of why you study the Bible as a group. It is to love and care for each other, and our society doesn't naturally desire that. Um, but the fact remains that we need it, and and so for some people that can be a really scary, a really scary thought to, uh, you know, try to engage with that. Of course, um, it doesn't help that, of course, we have an enemy who uses every. Uh, a natural inclination of our heart or every thing that we crave that isn't good for us to our advantage. So if our society is like, we don't need anybody. We can go it alone. We don't have to be there for each other. Satan is like, Good, that's the right thought. And it's just like, no, 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 no. Like, if we if we read the Bible, we find out we actually do very much need each other. Um, but again, it's it's tricky to do that. Uh, and, and and there's definitely a lot of Satan wanting to try to keep us apart so that we can't support each other. It's a divide and conquer sort of a situation, you know, like united in Christ, together we stand and divided or or not united, because I think there's a difference between being divided and just not, not being united, right? Like, just being an island is not going to be, be helpful. So This whole aspect, which is another point of spiritual warfare that goes
1: on around us, uh, when I read the, uh, the Western culture elements of wealth, pride, rights, all this type of thing, that's exactly what Satan is using to, to divide us and separate us. And we're told... Uh, don't give the devil a foothold in Ephesians. Also, put on the whole armor of God. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. I like that, devil's schemes. Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing in our churches today. Uh, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we've been told if we submit to God, he will flee. Yeah. But we don't call on that. So let's submit to God in our small groups and get something
0: rich out of it. It's really easy to say, I, I cannot be involved in this thing that's very clearly good for me because I need to make money. And if I don't, I'm not going to be able to live here. My whole life disappears. And it's just like, sometimes I wonder if Satan doesn't use that to our advantage too. Like how we envision our lives being, by which I mean, um, I don't know. Like we have a lot of, conveniences and comforts that most of the world doesn't even dream about. And we consider those things to be essential as a culture when really they're not, but Satan has tricked us into thinking it's so important. So it's just like, I don't have time to be there for another person. And I don't have time to invite another person into my life because, um, because I have to make a living. Right. And it's just like, maybe, maybe God is actually calling us to make a different kind of living maybe we don't have all of the luxury, but maybe we actually have some of the things that's actually more important. I know that this is a bit of a controversial subject, but I'm just thinking when it comes to like how we prioritize things in our lives, I think that sometimes um, sometimes we let... Th- Uh, The expression that I've heard is the tyranny of the urgent, right? We let urgent things displace important things in our lives because um, because there's always the next urgent thing. And then suddenly the things that are actually truly good for us get bumped down lower and lower and lower in our priorities so that we don't end up ever actually doing them. Priorities in our life are important. There's no
1: doubt of it. And... I think we could probably shake ourselves up a bit if we were to take a look, what are our priorities today? We always hear things like God's number one, at least in the Christian environment, family's number two, work and others is three, or something like that. you'll, You'll hear that over. Do I believe that that's true in actual effect? Probably not, because of the things that you've mentioned, wealth and being like the neighbors and making other things important. I wonder if we were to take the current situation that we see in the world today in the Ukraine, which was probably a society not unlike Chilliwacks in some neighborhoods, and then all of a sudden overnight is thrown into chaos. All the things they thought was important aren't. And what do I see coming out of there when I look at news reports? People resisting because they have a commitment or a heart to, to, to salvage what they have. And the, and the Christian community is at the center of it. Um, you know, what's important to the Christian community now? It's their relationship with God. They don't know what tomorrow holds. So they have to trust in their God for their family, for their future. Yeah, for that could, well, well, how would we think about it? Put ourselves in that position and see if that changes our priorities. If it does, then those are the
0: priorities we should be living with even in days of blessing. Totally. 100% I agree. If we don't engage now in these best practices, what's to make us think that we will suddenly and automatically get it right when hard times come? Do you know what I mean? good point that's we're in training and growth now for the future totally whatever that future may hold right
1: and even in the worst case if you take matthew 24 we're still supposed to be alert and be prepared that's right (laughs) okay uh so the bible has been quite clear about it yeah um We've talked about let's go through the list. We've talked about our commitment. We've talked about West, the cultural issues. We've talked about accountability. We've talked about spiritual mm-hmm. warfare. Talked about priority. Two more. Uh, one is uh, a practical one, and that's personal characteristics and attributes. And is what I mean about that is, all of us come from different backgrounds. We have different personalities. We Uh, I'm an introvert normally. Some people are extroverts. Uh, Some people just love to prolong a discussion. Other people like to get right to the point. Um, I mean, uh, we're different ages. Uh, We're at different parts of our life. You have a family, a young family. You want to be with that family as much as you can and enjoy that. Uh, My family, I have grandchildren now. uh, So my family dynamics are completely different. How does that impact and how we learn in small groups? And, and it'll depend on the person and how God leads. It could be that it's a group of all family, young families. It could be a mixture of elderly and young. So there's a learning process across generations. What it, nothing is wrong with any of those. Right. They're all right. We just got to look for what God has for us and be open To experiment and
0: and learn. I really like that last thing you just said. We need to be open to what God has for us. I think that sometimes people are looking for a perfect fit, right? So they're like, I'm an introvert and I, well, I personally am an introvert, but like I connect really easily with other introverts. Uh, You know what I mean? Because it's usually just one or two people. We're hanging out and we're having a good time. And the idea for me personally of joining a group of like, 10 people let's say that is outside of my natural gifting and inclination and what I would actually want to do but when i realize that god actually might want me to be a part of a group because maybe despite that being outside of my preferences maybe god is going to do something through that in my life every time that i've kind of done that and been like well maybe this is what god has for me i'll give it a shot Every single time God does something. And it's like, wow, I'm so glad that I didn't let my own personal biases or whatever inform what I was going to do. I think that we often see that in life when we open ourselves up to a possibility that God has that's outside of what we could have imagined for ourselves. Sometimes God really comes through in a really powerful way. And I think that that's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, definitely person, people being like, well, it's just not my thing, right? That's like the, the epitome of, uh, come to the Bible study. Ah, it's just not my thing. It's like, well, I think we we're putting forward, if you're a believer in Jesus, it actually is your thing. You just don't know it yet. God actually has something for you in that and you should try it out. Um, and try, give it a fair shake. By which I mean, don't go once and be like, wasn't my thing. No, 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 no. Commit. Well, there's that commitment word again. Commit to seeing it through for like, a period of time and seeing what God does and be honest with yourself because I think you'll see God does quite a bit. One thing I I
1: would challenge you on is I think most Christians know they should be a part. Yeah. I don't think it's a a big secret to them. I think that some of these issues we're raising is why they don't.
0: Yeah,
1: Um, And I think that's important to note uh, because God puts into us through the Holy Spirit a desire to know more about Him. We can quash it, we're told we can, but let's not. Let's open ourselves up. And and just to summarize one thing you said, we'll never learn as much by being in a group of the same. We'll learn an awful lot when we dare
0: to step into the different. And that kind of lends itself nicely to the very last point, which is fear and anxiety, right? That's the one we haven't talked about super explicitly yet. I could have put this one number one in in many cases. It's it's scary putting yourself
1: out there. Oh, it is. Well, let's look at the three things that people are worried about. One is, can I trust? Mm -hmm. Gossip. What's somebody going to go and take outside the group? And all of a sudden... I'm embarrassed, and will I feel inferior in the group? Hey, I haven't been, I don't know as much as that guy does. I'm a newer Christian, or I don't read my Bible enough. Like Joe Blow, I got news for you people. Nobody knows it all, and even those that have been in Bible school uh, who may, and I hope don't think they know it all, all I learned in Bible school was how little I know. Um, there's so much to learn. And where am I learning from? It's the new ideas. It's the new statements. And much of the time, it's from the Christians, younger Christians, that are raising issues that I've never really uh, considered before. Totally. So there's no, there shouldn't be that difference or fear in that sense. Yeah. But the trust and gossip issue, that's a big one in this society because... Yeah. Information is power, we're taught. And it is. And we got to be careful we don't use information wrong. Uh, the Bible is very, very clear of how we deal with others. Romans 4, 14, I should say. Accept uh, one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves before God. So there we go again. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Um, In Ephesians, it talks about, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, needs. And further on it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Colossians live in unity. Um, if, we take, if, we, if we were to take that in our small groups as our standard for behavior, yeah. we would not see gossip. We would learn how to trust and our prayers would be so authentic, so
0: heartfelt, you wouldn't want to miss the next session. And I think like, I think that's a good point. I think that's actually a really good guideline. And I think people also need to remember that they themselves are not perfect at that. And so it would actually be wrong to expect the people that they're hoping to be a part of the group to be perfect at that as well as well as the only way you can get better at that is by actually being a part of a group and learning how to do it. Like, it's not like you become converted to Christianity and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm awesome at not gossiping anymore. It's like, no, you have to put yourself in a situation where you're going to learn and you have to trust that other people are as well, like reading passages like the ones you just read, saying this is how we are going to become disciplined in our relationship with each other. That's the only way you can build that trust is by by practicing it and being faithful in it. And it's like, it's, it's a scary thought, but it's also, um, it's the only way it, it works is by people doing it, right? It occurs to me that
1: a lot of people come into the church, general worship, sermon-type situations, expecting to hear God learn and grow and really enlarge their Christian life. And they do. I'm not going to say that's not true. But it's in those settings that we also hear the complaints about nobody talked to me in the foyer. Or I know that person doesn't live like that. That's where the... It can, those foyers, you know, they can be a real gossip mill. Um, but if we're going to build trust then, and in the church as a whole, it's not going to happen at that general meeting level. It's going to be a, from, the, from the foundational issues of small groups that all of them learn to trust each other, then the groups trust each other, and then the church trust each other and the community sees a place
0: where people are actually sincere about how they treat each other. So it comes back. It's funny that you frame it that way because I think it does come back in the end, like you said, start in the end is desire. This comes back to desire. If if a person in their heart is dissatisfied with the church and they're like, man, like people just, you can't trust anybody. It it comes back to a question of, okay, Well, do you desire to be the difference? Do you desire to see that change through? Do you desire personally to be the kind of person who is going to be trustworthy and and foster unity in the church? Because if you desire that, that means, I think, pretty clearly that you need to be pursuing the type of environment where you can practice that. And that, to the best of my understanding, is a group setting, a smaller group setting, where you're going to be studying the Bible together.
1: And praying very sincerely. And caring for each other. That's right. I I would think that we all would want to follow scriptural truths uh, about God's chosen people. So who are they? Who do we desire to be? Do you desire to be holy and pure? First Peter 1 talks about that very clearly. Are we interested in displaying unity? John 17 talks about that. We should be in unity one with another. Do we love each other, really love each other, uh, that we would share, that we would be so hurting with somebody else that's hurting or so encouraging or uh, celebratory when something to praise God happens. Isn't that the the type of love we want to have in our church? So if that's what we desire in our families, if that's what we desire even in our workplaces, that we live like that, be holy, we're in unity, we love each other, then we have to have growth for each and every one of
0: us. And growth that's meaningful can only happen in a smaller group setting. Thanks for listening to this episode, and if you'd like to join our conversation, please send us an email, johnpodcast at Shaw.ca. that's J-O-H-N podcast at Shaw.ca or rob at sardisfellowship.com. We'd encourage you to check out sardisfellowship.com and join one of the smaller group Bible studies or life groups that we run midweek as a church, because we really do believe uh, it's very important to us uh, being transformed to be more like Jesus. So thanks again for listening, and uh, yeah, I'll see you next time.